Welcome back to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each, each episode, I look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. Now, in this episode, I have a special guest. You know, you've heard me talk, and for those that have known me, I'm, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to football. I, I love history. I love tradition. I, I started seeing this page pop up on TikTok called Hooked on Helmets, and I started watching this guy break down the history the lineage of different teams, the helmets, the logo changes, what type of helmets. And it just, it, it enthralled me. And I was like, I've got to know more. And then coming to find out the man behind it, Tom Helmer, Michigan native. He's done everything from Fox NFL sideline reporting. He's done play by play for the big 12 pac 12. He's been the host of uh, national shows such as the BCS breakdown, BCS rating shows, the multiple Emmy award winner. Now the voice for the Eastern Michigan football and men's and women's basketball program, we welcome in Tom Helmer. And Tom, man, I know you're busy, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. No, I appreciate it. When you summarize my career into one paragraph, it's pretty impressive. It, it's, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the business that would like to have a paragraph like that, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, it's, uh, it, it's again, just right off the rip, I, I love your content. Um, the history, the tradition whether it's the NFL or college football, I, I love it. You know, Canton, I was just in Atlanta for the, I'm a huge Commanders fan, Redskins fan. I was just yeah. in Atlanta for the uh, Commanders Redskins game, Commanders game and the Falcons going to the College Football Hall of Fame and, you know, the wall of helmets and stuff. But first question is, what kind of got you into doing this as far as the Hooked on Helmets segments and videos? Yeah, it's 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 kind of a long story, but where I was is I moved from Denver back to my home state of Michigan in 2019. Um, I started broadcasting for Eastern Michigan. I was doing their football play-by-play. I was doing some basketball on ESPN+. Plus. I was doing some stuff with NASA, and I called a little Red Sox baseball. But I was finding these huge gaps in my schedule, and so I thought, I, I need something to occupy my mind or I'm going to go crazy, or at least I'm going to drive my agent crazy. And so... I when I had moved to Michigan, I'd packed up all my helmets and they were in a storage closet. And one day I was kicking around in the closet and I started taking all the helmets out and looking out. I'm going to kind of set them up and start looking at them. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a video for YouTube because I everybody seems to be making a fortune on YouTube. And I did one on the University of Michigan's helmet. And I took my daughter with me and we shot stuff on campus. I talked to their longtime equipment guy, really broke down the entire history of Michigan's helmet, put it on YouTube, and of course, it went nowhere. Like, no one saw it. It didn't do anything. So I kind of shelved it. And then, you know, everybody's on TikTok these days and doing different videos. And um, the kids were kind of teasing me, like, yeah, you should do a TikTok or something. And so I go, well, I'll throw that Michigan video on TikTok and see if it does anything. And it got a little bit of traction. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I have a huge Lions collection, too, because I grew up near Detroit. And so I did a little story on the Lions, and then all of a sudden, bam, like, Vikings, tell our story. Tampa, tell our story. And it just kind of took off. But the problem was I didn't have TikTok set up correctly to monetize, or they didn't really pay anything. And so I was doing – I did the whole NFL. I made nothing, and I thought – this is the way I'm trying to be a broadcaster and do other stuff. And I got work to do. I'm not going to do this anymore. So I kind of shelved it. Then about a month ago, TikTok kind of sent this thing out. We're trying this new creator program. Your videos need to be longer than a minute. You need to tell a story. I'm like, it's all the stuff I do. And I thought, 
All right, I feel like they're baiting me into doing videos again, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I put out a Washington Commanders video, which I think has probably hit a couple million views, and started hitting, and here they come again. So everything took off. I'm, I'm close to 30 million views on the site, I think. Uh, I got over a quarter million followers. But the thing is, I love it. Like, every team that asked me to do something, like, even when Duke is like, please tell our story, I started looking at it. I'm like, I didn't know you guys played in the Rose Bowl in 1942. In Duke, like, I didn't know that. Um, and you find all this cool stuff out. So I do Tennessee, and I, I learned about their coaches uh, back in the 60s being hit by a train and all three of them being killed, and Tennessee alternating their helmets for um, for the rest of the 65 season. And so every time I dive into a team, I learn something, and I'm, I'm clearly obsessed with helmets, so I figured, why not learn the stories behind them? But I've become kind of obsessed now about learning all these stories. I love telling the stories. It's a lot of fun. And again, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the age when you used to grow up and you buy the little pack that had like, yeah. the, you know, the whole NFL. I had the the vibrating football, which, you know, it was the Super Bowl teams from each year and you wanted to get, you know, your teams in there. But, you know, and you do such a good job kind of getting really into the history. What has been, pro what has been the most interesting team, whether it be NFL or college, that when you dug into their history that's kind of like, wow, I, I didn't know that much, or it was kind of surprising. I didn't realize all the great stories in the NFL when I started doing it. And, for example, Seattle is going to wear a silver helmet this Sunday. They haven't worn the silver helmet since they started as the Seattle Seahawks. Then I found out, looking into it, when they were originally going to name that team, they thought about the Mariners, which the baseball wasn't there yet, the Evergreens. They were coming up with these different names, and they settled on Seahawks. And so a Seahawk could be an osprey, but really like a Seahawk is not an actual, there's no bird actually called a Seahawk. So the people in the front office started going through this book of um, people native to the Pacific Northwest. And I'm going to mispronounce their name, I'm sure, but the Kwakwakawak Native American tribe was living in an island in the Pacific Northwest. And they would build like these kind of totems. And as the front office was going through the book, they saw this like bird on one of the totems. So they hit up a guy that was um, a native of the Pacific Northwest, was a really big guy in native art. And he designed that Seahawks logo for the helmet and they put it on there. I'm like, I didn't know any of that, you know? And then you go further into the helmet and the colors they have now are the green for the trees and the blue for the water and the gray for the sky. So you kind of get into it and it's, it's pretty fascinating because the NFL has a lot of lot of cool stories when you dig into it. Even the Kansas City Chiefs, who used to be the Dallas Texans, you know, Lamar Hunt finally gets a team, and then the NFL that wouldn't give him a team puts the Dallas Cowboys in there at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Lamar figured out, listen, this ain't going to work. I'm going to move. He was going to name the team the Kansas City Texans. And they're like, you can't, you can't do that. You know, you got to come up with a new name. And the name Chiefs has nothing to do with the Native Americans. It has to do with who was the mayor at the time in Kansas City and lured Lamar Hunt up to Kansas City. Everybody called him Chief. It was a guy that was really into American Native history and worked with the Boy Scouts. So the team's named after him. And that's why they're called the Chiefs. So that kind of stuff just blows me away. I love discovering stuff every time. That that's the danger. You get in that rabbit hole and you start learning more and figuring out more and really being appreciative. 
Who's been the hardest to find out information about, whether it be college or pro? What team in their history has been the hardest to kind of dig into? Or has it been you know, it's really available? Some, yeah, some teams are great caretakers of their history and their names, and other teams are not. Um, like the University of Colorado, Dave Platty works out there. He's phenomenal at breaking down the history when colors change, when the logo change, helmet colors and stuff. I mean, you can just go to the media guide. You'll have all the information you want. No team comes to mind that like the information's not there. I'm looking around at my helmets. I'm like, who did a bad job? You know, um, everybody, it, it's fairly easy to find the NFL, the college stuff. Sometimes it's hard to kind of dig into like you're going through old black and white photos. Like what exactly was the color of that helmet or, you know, what, why did they switch this or that? Some of that stuff's hard to find. And sometimes you glaze over it and so, sometimes you whiff. Sometimes you get some information you think's right. And it's a little off. Fans are quick to correct you, yeah. especially, you know, if you're down in the sec country, uh, they'll, they'll let you know immediately. But, um, it, it the fun of it is going down the rabbit hole and discovering that type of stuff. Duke, I just recently did a video on Duke. I know I'm just rambling, Chris. I, I just the, I watched the Duke. I love I love the Duke one. All right, so they had and Ohio State wore a similar helmet as did Dartmouth and others in the '60s. Was that absorb blow technology? It's right. a huge padded thing that went over the top of the helmet. It was basically exterior padding for a helmet. And McGregor had. Uh, worked with uh, possibly Cornell University to develop the technology. So McGregor was going out and trying to market this absorb low helmet. But I went down that rabbit hole. I'm like, this is, I did Ohio State a while ago and I couldn't figure out what's this huge red blob in the middle. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's this absorb low pad that McGregor was trying to put out there. I, I'm a nerd. I find that stuff fascinating. So for me, if you watch a video and you learn one or two things, I think we're all winners. Absolutely. I just, I recently watched the Duke one, obviously with the game they had uh, recently with Florida state and what Mike Elko's doing up there. I mean, bring yeah. a lot of attention to the program who, who, what, what is your favorite? Or do you have a top five of like, these are my favorite helmets, whether, I mean, the combination of college pro or like, what's your, your top five favorite helmets. You're not going to believe me, but I'm going to say it like Jesus. I love them all. You know, I, I love everything has beauty in it in one way or the other. And even when you dig into Penn State, like Penn State is basically going numbers on, numbers off, numbers on, numbers off. There hasn't been a lot of change there, but there's still a lot of beauty in it. Um, I'm a bit of a homer for the Michigan Wolverines. I love that wing helmet look. Uh, of course, Princeton had it first. Uh, Ohio State had it before Michigan. Indiana and Michigan State had it before them. Because of the technology, I think I have a... I got one close by. Oh, well, this isn't a leather, but this is a Ron Kramer autographed helmet. But the padding on the helmet used to be as such that it went over the top in there and teams would paint these different colors. Before Fielding Yo showed up at Michigan, their helmets were black. And then he wanted to paint the winged look like Princeton had, but also he felt it helped his wide receivers and quarterbacks find each other on the field. It was easier to find a receiver with a bright yellow pad on the front. So they painted them up, but a lot of teams had the winged helmets. And I, I've, my brother gave me this one. He told me it was a Michigan helmet. There's no padding on the top. The story with the guy that we got this from was he was a Michigan student. He was walking by campus. 
If you go down state near the Michigan campus, there was a brick wall there where the practice field used to be. Two guys got in a fight. One took the other guy's lid, threw it up over the wall. Student picked it up, ran home with it, and has had it ever since. But when I look through Michigan's history, I could not find this. There's no, unless at one point this had paint that wore off, but it doesn't look like it. So I don't. And then I found one in a barn. Am I bugging you, Chris, no, by rambling too no, much? No, I, I found one in a barn, like an antique auction. I found this helmet. I, I, cool, I'm going to get this helmet. This was in the Midwest. This is what Notre Dame wore. Man. Before they were Golden Domers, this was one of the leather looks for Notre Dame. And I didn't realize, I had the helmet for 30 years, and I found out like a year ago that that was a Notre Dame helmet. It's like that kind of stuff is has been fun. And uh, it's, it's helped me. It started first. I just want to occupy my time. I can't be mm. on my days off. I, I just got to be doing something. It wasn't about making money. It wasn't about getting followers. It was about me finding a way in the day to have purpose. And then it took, you know, and through that, it took off. Well, when people say when, when you do stuff that you're passionate about, it shows. And, and it clearly does. One of the things I really like, really like about what you do, Tom, is, you know, you say, hey, if a team reaches out to me, I'm going to do the history for you. Yeah. So I see, and I go through and look at some of the comments. There's a lot of people from different fan bases out there. Who would, who do you think is the most requested helmet from fans out there that follow you on TikTok? West Virginia, Alabama, Oregon. Those are like a runaway top three right now. Now those teams haven't yeah. chimed in, but I hear a lot of West Virginia. I've done some of the research on the, the WV logo and who created it and that type of stuff. I look forward to digging into their content. Um, Alabama, everybody just wants to see, what was it just a red helmet with white numbers always? No, it was not. They had a white helmet. There's been different looks as they came along, but they've been steadfast in their look. And I, I, I like the traditionalists. I like when Ohio State wears what they've worn since the 70s, Michigan with the winged helmets. I, I like the schools that's Alabama and stuff that stick with that look, Tennessee with the with the uh, power T. When you're at a school that's got a cool look, it's hard to play with it, you know? Other schools, like Oregon, changing helmets is their thing. Um, I think when I do Oregon – there's a thing on TikTok called series. I may have to charge that video because it's going to yeah. take close to 20 minutes to tell that story. They've run a, they've run about a hundred combos. So unless you're just going to fly through it in a short video, it doesn't do any justice. And I've been fortunate enough to be on the Nike campus. And I asked the guy showing us around, I go, is there a team here that just works on the ducks, football helmets and uniforms? I go, absolutely. It's like a five person team. They bring up seniors every summer and they sit down and like, what do you want to wear? And they start kind of cranking through those uniforms. And they got a lot of hate mail at Nike for changing the way the ducks used to be. Uh, you probably remember it used to be yellow. It would have they just, they just played you know, duck on the side. Yeah. It would have that type of stuff. And um, they got a lot of hate mail and their Nike's response was, this is for the kids. This is for the players. This is what they want. This is not for the fans. We're making this for them, and it's becomes Oregon's thing, and they they run off a trillion combos, and it looks awesome. It, it is one of the things. Me being an Oklahoma fan, covering Oklahoma when they started to bring out their Rough Rider uniform alternates, and then recently doing the Unity ones with the Anthracite from Nike. Of course, there's a lot yeah. of people, and then you know how fans are. You know, you're changing shirts if the first quarter's not going well. 
you know, Oklahoma comes out and wears the the white uh, throwbacks and they lose to Texas Tech. So they're like, don't ever wear those uniforms again. But some right. of those, you know, when they come out, like Oklahoma, when they wore the whites and the black cleats kind of throwback yeah. to the Tommy McDonald era and everything, like, I love that stuff. Some of the stuff yeah, that you see on NFL, young- you don't want to see anymore, though. The Bears and the Pittsburgh striped jerseys with their uh, stuff, like, it's that that's bad. Yeah, when they go way back. It's interesting. A lot of people, when I did the Eagles, talked about, have you heard about the Steagles? Yeah. All right. So this is what the Steagles wore. So they were um, Pete Pihos. This is an autograph telling from him. But this is what the Steagles wore. They dressed like the Eagles from the waist up and the Pittsburgh Steelers from the waist down. For people who don't know, World War II, hard to field a team. Pittsburgh and the Eagles didn't have enough players, so they merged teams. And they called them the Steagles. But this was this was the Steagles look at that time. And that's one of those fascinating things. It's like, that's that's pretty cool. But as you look at uh, players' uniforms and stuff, it's, it's how you play. If you're a good team, you're going to win no matter what you're wearing. You can wear any color. You can wear plaid. You know, if you're good, you're going to roll them. But I know how fan bases get. You don't win. It goes south. I remember when Arizona had their decade of dominance against Arizona State. I was at the game when ASU busted out the all yellows and got trucked by Arizona. Then <laughs> they thought, let's let's run it again next year against USC. And USC and Rodney Pete steamrolled them. They're Rodney like, we're done Pete. with these. <laughs> and I wish more people, I wish more teams, big rivals, would do kind of like USC and UCLA with the home jerseys. You know, again, being Oklahoma the Red River rivalry to see Oklahoma and Texas and the burnt orange and the red together. I think that would be kind of a cool look. Um, but just, you know, seeing some of those home Jersey combos like that, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but overall general in sports you used to do a show about the BCS. Yes. Now we're in the era of the playoff. Do you like the four? Do you think it should be going to 12 or do you still wish it should have been BCS kind of uh, process to determine the national champion? I don't think the BCS process was a very good process. And I don't think a four-team playoff is the right way to do it. You know, when you had one AA, you have two and three. They've always been able to figure out a playoff format. And the same should be, especially when you had or had five Power Five conferences. I don't know where the Pac-12 is going. I think they should just absorb the Mountain West with Oregon State and Washington State. You'd have Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State. You could build a new Pac-12 and keep that name, but that's for another day. But if you're going to have five power conferences and only four teams get in and then two are SEC or you got Michigan and Ohio State in there, it's not getting a full sampling, I think, of certainly what the fan bases want or really deciding. Think of the years Alabama got left on the edge. You know they would have got in there and absolutely trucked some teams. So um, it definitely needs to be expanded. And I, I think the NCAA will be in a good spot when they do that. But it makes me laugh. You and I are probably old enough to remember when they were, I don't know if we can go to a 12 game schedule. It's a lot of football for these kids. I don't know. 12 games is a lot. Now it's 12 games and a conference championship and, and a semifinal and a final, like the, that number has gone out the window. So expansion will be good. And I, I think also the NCAA benefits from people just arguing about the standings and who should be in, who should be out. It always keeps football in the forefront of the conversation this time of year. It, it is. And, you know, you talked about the BCS, it always favored Oklahoma. It seemed like, you know, in the early times, but yeah. you know, now with the playoffs, I love the opportunity to possibly have your first round playoff game on campus. I think that's going to be an incredible atmosphere wherever it can be. And and you give a team, 
you know, you think about, I know you do basketball. Think about getting mm-hmm. to the, to, to March Madness. You know, yeah. like that Syracuse team that won um, with Hakeem Wark and, and the, they weren't the best team throughout the whole season. Now they went right. through that tournament and they knocked off Oklahoma. They knocked off Texas. They knocked off Kansas. And the, they won the tournament. They're the national champion. And I think now with that playoff, and I used to be on the, the fence of like, go back and look when they were doing the BCS. Look at mm-hmm. the top eight and tell me the team that was ranked eighth if you think they were a national championship caliber team. But now if you're in the playoff, if you can win the playoff, I don't care if you're Tulane and you're the, the group of five that gets in. Yeah. If you can go through. Absolutely. Here's the ring. Everybody baby. loves a Cinderella story. Look at FAU last year in oh, basketball. Great. I mean, it's, they're, they're unbelievable. And that's what makes that tournament so great. The buzzer beaters. Who's that small school or who's the one no one thought really should be there that's plowing through and knocking off all these teams. There's a lot of parody in basketball and, and that's fun to watch. And there's, Really more parity in college football than you think. I know there's a couple top feeders like Georgia, uh, Michigan's up there, Ohio State, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of parity in that top 25. Speaking of Michigan, I don't know if you can comment or what, but what's going on up there? How do you feel about what's going on with the – and I know there's some people that say it, it's part of the game, but if you're sending somebody out to opposing teams, mm-hmm. it seems a little seems a little sketchy. Yeah, Desmond Howard was trying to defend Michigan on game day and just say, oh, everybody's doing it. All right, well, I don't know about that, but you got caught. And the stuff I read, and I don't know what's fact and what's fiction, but it sounds like the guy for three years was going to the Big Ten games and and scouted 11 different teams and looked for their signals. This is a situation where – it, it probably is not good for Michigan when you have a top brand in that conference that's having its feet held to the fire because that, that school makes a lot of money for the conference, as does some of the others in there. So they don't, you know, if this was a lesser, not a lesser school, but one that wasn't as nationally profiled, um, it'd probably be easier for the Big Ten to swallow. But this is not a good situation. Doesn't look good on Harbaugh. Um, you suspend the guy with pay, like it's a paid vacation. Like, wouldn't you and I like that, right? Right. Here's money. Keep just stay home. Stay home. You're good. You're good. Um, so it's not it's not good for Michigan. It's been kind of quiet around Ann Arbor. I live near the area, so everybody's kind of waiting to see how it how it shakes out. But um, they should just go to the the NFL format. I don't know why they don't rate. You know, the Power Five or all of Division One could do the radio headsets and the helmet and get rid of all the signaling and holding up the canvas on the sidelines and trying to block. And there's three guys doing this and all that stuff. And it's just signal it in back in my day, the coach just told you the play in your ear had a huddle and come back out, you know? Yeah. You, it was you, a lot you, easier. There was no stealing anything there. You ran in and out. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that's happened uh, with in college football, the transfer portal, you, you've been around mm-hmm. the game for a while. How do you think that's affected it? Good, bad, it's um, it's bad in the sense that you don't get playing time. You move on to the next school. These guys are moving around so much. And NIL, if you're going to talk about the transfer portal, you got to talk about NIL and the effect that's having. I know for Eastern Michigan, you know, you get a guy that pops off for a season. Well, he's you know, Darius Lasseter was a great receiver for us last year. Had a great bowl game against Boise State. Now he's at BYU. You know, we had an offensive lineman. He's like, well, he's off to, I think he went to Missouri. 
Um, and then finds out he's not starting, but he got a little NIL money. And it's like, well, if a smaller school doesn't have the cash the big schools do or can't find those, you know, sponsors or NIL deals, it makes it tough to compete. So they let the genie out of the bottle. And I don't know how you fix it at this point, but you got to do something about NIL and you, you've got to do something about where people change teams every year. Ben Bryant was at Cincinnati. Then he was at Eastern Michigan. Then he went back to Cincinnati. Now he's the quarterback at Northwestern. It's like, you're just going to switch spots every year, you know, and there's, and with COVID too, guys are playing for, I, I can't keep track of guys. Rocky Lombardi, the quarterback at NIU, it's his seventh season. He tweeted out on the first day of school. It's my first day of 19th grade. Like he's been around yeah. forever. So it's, like Bo it's crazy. Bo Nix has been a senior for, for 24 years out there at Oregon, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's been interesting, the kind of resurgence with, with Pac-12. But what uh, if you had to pick, what would be your top five right now in college football? Georgia's number one. Uh, Michigan looks strong. They're up there. Um, Ohio State showed something against Penn State. They're up there as well. Um, you're, you're putting me on the spot here because I'm trying to think of the top five. It's funny. I get so locked in on Mac games. I'm like, sometimes you don't get to watch who's still up there in the top five. Washington, obviously, is a great football team. Um, they're definitely in the top five. And it's interesting, DeBoer was an assistant coach at Eastern Michigan under Chris Creighton. And so him and a couple of coaches went out to Washington. They've absolutely blown it up. But transfer, look at Penix. Was in great. Indiana, you know, yeah. He's in Indiana. Hey, you want to come to Washington? Gardner Minshew. Hey, he was he was going to go to like Mississippi, Mississippi State or some school. Oh, he's going to go to Alabama. And then Mike Leach is like, hey, I'd like to be the record holder for the year passing up here at Washington State. You want to throw for 5,000 yards? Done. So um, who's your top five? My top five I have right now, I know the old rule of if, you, if you're the champion, you're the champion until proven wrong. But I think right. I don't want it to affect them, but Brock Bowers being out, I, I think they stumble down the road. And just okay. what they've struggled, yeah. what they've struggled, you know, averaging not even three yards a carry against Ball State, you know, just I haven't seen the normal type Georgia, the explosive running game. Lad McConkey's not really having the kind of year I thought he would have. I, I have them at number four, so I would go number five. I have Washington number five. I have okay. Georgia number four, okay. and then it's then it's a debate in myself of who has the the better resume, Florida State or Ohio mm -hmm. State, because that Florida State went against LSU, really good win, but now you're seeing their defense isn't good. Florida State, they've escaped. They lost to Duke, too, didn't they? They lost to Duke? No, Florida State won that game. But Lincoln, oh, who did Duke, Duke, Duke beat Clemson? Duke beat Clemson. You're right, you're right. But Riley Leonard got hurt in that game, and I think if Riley – and you could play the what if. If Riley Leonard's healthy, because it was 20-17 to 17 at the time he gets hurt, maybe it's a different story. I don't know, but – like you said, on the road victory for Ohio State at Notre Dame. I still don't trust Kyle McCord. I think Jim Knowles done a great job bringing that defense. Eichenberg, that's a great linebacker name, Tommy Eichenberg. It's, a, awesome. it's an amazing linebacker name. So I've got Washington, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Just, you know, J.J. McCarthy has put himself up in, in Heisman contention. Blake Corm coming back off that knee injury. And their defense, they're, they're not, of course, maybe they're knowing what everybody's running, and it's easier to call the defense when you know what people right. are running. But – you still got to go out there. You got to make tackles, you know, and, and the way the rules are set up now for the offense to be very explosive, to still limit teams it, it is impressive. But I think it's all going to 
you know, it'll all work itself out like it always does. That, that, that's the beauty of it, right? And especially with an expanded, expanded playoff, it all works itself out. Michigan, too, like it's really a two-game season for them. Penn State, Ohio State, they haven't played really anybody. It's just been a bunch of knockdown teams for the most part that haven't given them any competition. So that's a danger. And if you haven't had your feet held to the fire and all of a sudden you're in Happy Valley, you know, buckle up because right. you're going to get hit in the mouth in a way you probably haven't been hit all season. I know they got a ton of talent. I love J.J. McCarthy's arm, but they haven't been really hit in the mouth yet. Right. And that's going to be tough on the road against Penn State. That's why I was happy. Again, you're going back to the Sooners. I was concerned going into the game last week against Central Florida, top three rushing team in the country. Oklahoma was off for two weeks. Heron, how good you were. You beat Texas. You spent all that emotion and energy to come back after that 49 to nothing loss to Texas last year. You win this game. You're, you're popping off about your NIL shirts. And I was like, this game worries me. A couple missed field goals, yeah. you know, and you let them hang around and, you know, they made some really good plays, but you know, for me, watching what Brent Venables has done there, I'm excited for the future. They're starting to get defensive players they haven't got since the likes of Tommy Harris and, you know, a Dusty Dvorak and those guys. You know, they're, they're bringing in defense, and it's good to see. And the future with Jackson Arnold coming to the SEC, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's – I love college football. It, yeah. It, it, you know, I joke, my wife, she always asks me, why, why are you a Washington fan? And I was born in Virginia Beach, but – I love being around the college game, the bands. And, and with Washington yes. back in the day at old RFK Stadium, they had the band playing Hail to the Redskins after every touchdown. And, you know, the band would strike up. And that's it, it kind of made me feel that was, yes. you know, a transition into that. But it's been it's been awesome. I wanted to ask you, you did baseball for a long time. Mm-hmm. What, what, what have you thought about, you know, what happened this year in the playoffs? I mean, I know last night, Texas – yeah, we talk about cheaters. Texas got rid of the Houston Astros last night. The yeah, they're Rangers gone. Played really well. And you got another game seven with the Phillies and the Diamondbacks tonight. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who works at Eastern Michigan. And I was saying, hey, he, he loves baseball. And he and I took a trip to the Hall of Fame this summer. And we're kicking around in Cooperstown. And he goes, game sevens are a letdown. I go, what do you mean game sevens are a letdown? He goes, they never seem to live up to the billing. And then in the top of the first, when Texas is absolutely taken behind Houston behind the woodshed, I texted him like, uh, "You might you might be onto something with this game because Texas is not looking back in this one." I'm happy for the Rangers. I mean, never won a World Series, right? They're yeah. one of five teams, and and two years removed from losing a hundred games, which is unbelievable to make that kind of turnaround. I know you have free agency and right. farm clubs and that type of stuff, but it is not easy to turn that train around. So, and Joe Madden's an awesome manager. You had two great ones. I hear Dusty Baker's going to retire. This is the end of the line for him, but yeah. I think he's had 26 seasons as a manager. He was a player. He's he's phenomenal. So uh, looking forward to game seven tonight with the, with the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. I would lean the Phillies way, uh, especially at home, but Bryce Harper seems charged for these type of, these type of games. He's built for it. So it, it, it makes it a lot of fun when they go to these game sevens. Funny story about Bryce Harper. So in my early days of being in the radio business as well, making some extra side money, I officiated. Okay. I officiated football, basketball, baseball. Realized I wasn't athletic enough to officiate basketball anymore. Love baseball. The year that Bryce Harper played in a wood bat league in Oklahoma for the summer before he went to junior college, 
and I got to umpire a couple of the games that he played. And I used to love wood bat games because kids in high school couldn't hit with a wood bat. Games are over in 45 minutes. Right. Thank you for the paycheck. Let's roll. Mm -hmm. And you could tell then the sound off of his bat. And, and he was playing catcher at the time. He wasn't in the outfield. He was playing catcher. And right. I remember he, he, makes a, he makes a throw out, look like Benito Santiago from back in the day. He's lean over, hoses the guy down at second, one hop, perfect. But I saw him hit a home run with a wood bat. And like I said, it just, it sounded different. And for the first time ever, I go back to the Boston all-star game when, you know, they bring out Ted Williams, they're talking to him and he asks Mark McGuire, have you ever smelt burning wood on a foul ball? It was the first time Bryce Harper fouls a ball directly back behind me. And I smelt that burning wood. And I was like, really? Oh, then it just, it hit. I was like, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. There's just that friction of the yeah. ball and the bat. And yeah, you could tell then he was, he was a man amongst boys. I mean, it was, it was something and you're like, okay, this guy's, he's something different. You know, what's funny is I was traveling with the Colorado Rockies at the time when I was a broadcaster with them. And this one, Bryce Harper's kind of on like sports illustrated and everybody's talking about this phenom that that's coming out of the West and Bryce Harper. And he's a young high school kid. And a, a few of the players were like, We've heard this story a million times, and they started pulling up like YouTube videos, and the guys go, "Oh, kid's legit, man! This kid can stroke it." Yeah, when he's bouncing balls off the back of Tropicana Field with a metal bat and stuff at, yeah. at 15 years old, and yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I tell everybody my my stepdad's from Michigan. He went to Berkeley High there in, okay. in the Detroit area, and I've always been a huge. Uh, I grew up a a White Sox guy because I loved Carlton Fisk, you know, and uh, just being a part, I remember one of the first games we watched together was, I think it was 85, the beginning of the season when Jack Morris threw a no hitter against the White Sox. I remember that Lance Parrish was the catcher. Lance Parrish. Yeah. Chet Lemon, yeah. those guys, I mean, Trammell and, and I just, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it, it's funny to see where that's going now in the uniforms, like with baseball and the different yeah. the city connections and, and, and all that. And it's all, it's all money. You know, let's sell more. It's all merch. money. Let's. Some let's, uniforms are cool. Some are a train wreck. It's like when NHL did the reverse retro. Oh, that was horrible. Like, some were awful. Some were like, I want to buy that sweater. Right, right. You've done baseball. You've done football. You've done basketball. Mm -hmm. I know you're a part of one of the Emmys that you're a part of was uh, bringing in the broadcast for the the World Cup coming in '94. Is there? Is there a sport that you've not had a chance to do play-by-play -play for yet that you're like, I would love to call some of this? I've called one hockey game. That's hard to do. Hockey's a tough that would one. Be hard, yeah. I've done football, baseball, basketball. I've done a couple marathons. Um, I've done some stuff you, you didn't think would need a voice. I did the Stone Skipping Championship on Mackinac Island, uh, like kind of during COVID time. Um, Mackinac Island brings like the best in the country to the island every summer and they do the stone skipping out into the water and uh, they call it for ESPN plus and then it usually ends up on the Ocho at some point in the year so they're like hey do you want to come up and you know we somebody fell through and through connections are like are you available we'll give you a hotel room a ferry ride over to the island because I don't know if you're familiar with Mackinac Island at oh, all. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been up there. been to the dunes. I've had the fudge. Beautiful. Yeah. There's Absolutely. no, for people who don't know, there's no cars on the island. Nope. You get around two ways, bike or horse-drawn carriage, and it's absolutely beautiful. 
So I did that. And then when I got done with it, they go, can you come back next month? We're playing old time baseball at Fort Mackinac. So they play with like 1870s rules, which, which some of those are when the ball, you can catch a ball off a bounce. That's an out. But when they played baseball back then, the object wasn't to strike out a guy. The object was to get the ball where the batsman needed it so they could put the ball in play so that there was always action. You played without a glove. When you scored, you asked politely to the scorekeeper if she would put it on the chalkboard and they'd mark it and that kind of, and that was, the kids loved it. They're like, I don't know why they don't play baseball like this today. There's tons of action. It's a lot of fun. So I've called all the main stuff and some weird stuff that um, you, you never would have expected. I think the, the weirdest one for me is um, high school volleyball, okay. which was interesting on air, and, and high school soccer. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, similar similar to hockey, a lot of a lot of turnover. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of player possession and trying to figure out names and phonetically getting the names correct as far as where you're going. But uh, in this, you know, sports bites—that's the name of the podcast. You know, back when I was on the radio, people called me the food snob because when we'd go to games. Hey, where are we going to eat? Where are you going to eat? What restaurants are you looking at? Yes. I know through your experience, where has been some of the best places you've been to eat covering any type of game? One was this past weekend, which surprised me, in DeKalb, Illinois. There's a restaurant called Fatty's, and they're known for like, like chicken it. strips, steak burgers, that type of stuff. I had a grilled chicken strip, but they make this kind of Cajun-styled fried potato side dish that goes with it. And it was so good. I'm like, yeah, this is like the potato was crisp and crunchy, but it had this kind of Cajun sauce over it. It was really good. That was a good place to eat. We played the Kentucky Wildcats in 2019, was down in Lexington. And uh, I was doing a radio interview with somebody in Lexington. I Then after the interview was over, I'm like, I need a good place to eat. I don't remember the name of the restaurant. It's a church that was converted into like an Italian restaurant. And when you order, the first thing they bring you is this huge plate with melted butter in it and a, a warm, freshly baked breadstick that's about the size of your forearm and just as thick. <laughs> and you're like, I have made a great decision here today. This is where I want to eat. We also ate at Dreamland uh, recently down in Birmingham. Which was some good barbecue. Well, I know uh, some guys for, for balls is supposed to be really good. I know you're in you're in Jacksonville for the you know playing Jacksonville State. Yeah. Did you go to Cuda Browns? We didn't go. No, we didn't actually. Here's the crazy part: we stayed in Birmingham. Okay. So we got up. We had to take like the hour and a half bus ride. You just feel like it's a hostage situation. There's not a whole lot out there, and then no. bam, here's Jacksonville. Beautiful campus. We got run twenty-one to nothing. They put us back on the buses. We go back. The bus I was on hit a car pulling into the airport, sideswiped it. I don't think the guy tapped the brakes, still pulled up. We got on the plane. They couldn't get the head count right. They were off by one. But every time they'd recount, a different player would go to the restroom. And they kept missing the count. Finally, they're like, please, everybody stay seated. We're like, hey, if somebody's missing at this point, they missed the bus in Jacksonville. So then we finally flew home. But uh, I did not... I, I've heard Rich Rodriguez talk about that place, but I didn't get to eat there. Yeah, Cuda Browns. I, I actually I lived up in Jacksonville for a little bit. My my sisters went to college up there, and that you know for that was back before Ryan Paralu showed up. You know after he left LSU, saying I was going to win 
four national championships and four Heismans. He ended up being a quarterback up there at, at JSU. But uh, it's interesting seeing some of these teams. James Madison, they're undefeated. Air yeah. Force playing well. So that's, I would like to see the history of the Air Force. I've always thought the Air Force helmet is just, again, one of the coolest helmets out there. And I'm a Navy guy. I was in the Navy, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a MIDI, but I love that helmet that, that Air Force wears. Yeah, I'll definitely get into Air Force history at some point, too. And that's where uh, the Chargers bolt actually comes from Air Force. They kind of reconfigured okay. the bolt a little bit, but the Chargers got it from Air Force. But they And they had a 94-yard pass last Saturday. Like, Air Force doesn't throw the football, let alone a 94-yard touchdown pass. When they beat Wyoming, I knew, all right, this team's for real. Like, they're, they're going to make some damage. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be fun to see where Air Force goes from here. But they got a really – Really good football team in Colorado Springs. That was an interesting game because I remember the spread, and I talked about it on one of my episodes. I picked Wyoming as my upset because 11 points. I was like, man, you know, I, I get it, but they hadn't played anybody yet, really. And But they go out there, and Zach Larrier is the quarterback. And the young man, I think he's completed 70% of his passes. And that 94-yard touchdown he had the other night, beautiful pass. Caught the guy in stride. Just, you know, when you run the game like that. And bringing up Air Force, so I did a show with Teddy Lehman. Buckus okay. Award winner, All-American linebacker, you know, great mind talking defense. And I remember I asked him one day, outside of the normal conference foes, big name opponents, who is the toughest team that you ever faced? And he he had no, didn't take a, a second. He said, oh, one, when we played Air Force. And I was like, really? Because at oh, one, yeah. Oklahoma went up to Air Force and played after they had won the national championship. And he said, they're fundamental. They know mm-hmm. what they're doing. They play to the whistle. They don't quit. And he said, and they're gonna they're gonna chop block you, you know, get ready for you know, they're gonna cut you. But he said, they did not quit. And they just keep coming. And up in that altitude, he said it gets to you a little bit. But he said, it just surprised me that that was the first place that he went and and there was no thought to it at all. He just immediately said right. Air Force. Yeah, that altitude will get you. But I was with you on Wyoming. I'm like, listen, Wyoming beat Texas Tech. They App State came up there and they knocked them down. Like Wyoming had wins, and, and I looked at Air Force schedule. I'm like, who have they played? And Air Force was spouting off before that game with Wyoming yeah. too, and making graphics where they're dropping like a toy Woody <laughs> yeah. cowboy, you know, and all this other stuff. And they came out and smiled. I was like, all right, you're you're for real then. You're you're quality program there. But that altitude is no joke. It's crazy, but yeah, Zach Larrier, um, I didn't think he was going to play in the Navy game because he had got hurt in the Wyoming game, but he plays and looks, and of course, again, Oklahoma growing up with Barry Switzer, the option, yeah. Jamel Hot. like I, I still love option football when it's run correctly and it's fundamentally sound, you're going to put guys in a position, you have to, you have to be fundamentally sound on defense, and that's why they still give teams some problems. I was very surprised at how bad LSU beat Army this weekend. Yeah, that was something else. I, I, and while I'm thinking about OU, too, and you mentioned Barry Switzer, the favorite saying I ever heard about Switzer was that he could keep a corpse eligible, you know, when he would get get players in there. But my favorite, probably one of my favorite football players of all time played at OU, Billy Sims. Billy, Bill, hey, Billy's got some good barbecue, too, at Billy Sims Barbecue. I mean, I know he, he had one up in the Detroit area. We used to do some business with him, and we did shows from there, and you know, Billy yelling boomer at every Heisman trophy presentation. And, uh, you know, he was, he, he was, he was great. And the, the stories that Barry used to tell, you know, just 
and his mind is still phenomenal. We had a guy that worked at our station that played for Barry in the early 80s, and he came in, and he looked, and he said, Tracy, how's your dad out in blah, 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 Oklahoma? You know, hadn't seen this guy. And, and it wasn't yeah. that Tracy was a All-American. He, he, he played on the team, but just his mind, and you hear about some of the recruiting stories, like when they were camping in Mississippi trying to get Marcus Dupree, and, you know, they asked Barry, he said, yeah, with Earl Campbell, he goes, I, if I knew his dad was drinking beer, I'd be out there looking in the trash can, seeing what kind of beer can it was. And right. I'd bring So it, it's just funny how recruiting has kind of gone from that to, um, to what it is now. Keith Jackson, he said his, his mom offered him some food. He said, as long as it's some of that sweet crackling cornbread. And I mean, like he, Barry was, Barry knew how to work the room. Which is the key to his success too. You could oh. kind of become anything you needed to be, but he was a a personable guy and, and people enjoyed him, you know, which made it, those teams were phenomenal. You know, it's nobody runs those, not nobody, but Oklahoma and Nebraska and, and some of those games and the option and, and the, the wing and all that. It, it was, it was phenomenal football. It was a lot of fun to watch. Imagine Bosworth with Twitter. <sighs> <laughs> it was a wrecking ball without it. You didn't need Twitter, but he's another smart guy. You know, when they had Absolutely. those bust the boss t-shirts, he, he was making them. So yeah. he was making money on both ends. Whether you loved him or hated him, he, he was making money. And that's another great guy at marketing himself. He didn't play that long, but he was a tremendous guy at marketing himself. Everybody wanted the haircut oh. with the lines in the side of the head. Did you have that? I, I'm from Oklahoma. And that's what it's funny. He did a thing for our radio station. And we were at one of the local sports bars on campus corner and his daughter was there and they did like a motorcycle ride for charity. And of course, Boz shows up and every guy in my age group, 10 years above and below is just like, it's Boz, you know, and she goes, I just don't get it. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, we're in LA. He's been in movies and like, we can go to a Dodgers game and nobody says anything, but we come here. And I said, Look, I'm going to tell you this. Every male my age and around my age had that haircut. And she's like, I don't was, understand. the rage. Everybody wanted to be the boss. They wanted to have the boss. And you were only cool if you got the colors, not just the lines if you got the colors. You had to paint in the colors. And now, now he's a cop on Fansville. On, <laughs> on, on Fansville. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. But man, Tom, I, I can sit here and talk sports with you all day, man. I, I appreciate this. Um, you know, continued success to you and, and you know, just keep turning that content out, man. I, hopefully I'm gonna get some people to come over and check it out because uh, again, I know a lot of people that are into the history and tradition and stuff, and you do a really good job of bringing that out. And even teams that I don't like, I'm still watching just because again, I love yeah. the history of it. Yeah. Like I, I'm the same. Like, I, I like, uh, I don't, I go, I don't know if I want to do this school. Then I get into it. I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. Like Florida state wore three helmets in the same game. Western Kentucky's wearing seven helmets in tonight's game. Did you know that? Yeah. They're all painted for each position. Yeah, group. So they have big red on the helmet and they're wearing it seven different ways. The quarterbacks will have one with big red, throwing a ball receivers, catching it. It's all painted up different ways. So I'm actually putting out a video here in a couple hours that's kind of the story it'll show the helmets but how big red came to life and it was a student in 1979 that kind of drew him up it's just a big blob um and it's a it it's not a man a woman it's just this big blob with a big mouth 
<laughs> I would have blamed Dave Hunziker when he was there. That's who I, I'd have been. It was, it was him that came up with it. But you think about the Navy, the hand-painted helmets they had with the carriers and the destroyers oh, and stuff like beautiful. that. Beautiful. You know, just Air, Air Force did the, the A-10 helmets not long ago. It's some of those stuff. I, I, you know, I could get into it and, you know, buying the collector's helmets and stuff like that. It's yeah. just, you know, it's a lot of fun. But um, where are y'all at next? Where's Eastern Michigan at next? We are home against Western Michigan, and then it's on to Maction. Got uh road game at Toledo, home game against Akron, and finish the season on a Tuesday night before Thanksgiving in the beautiful city of Buffalo. <laughs> gonna go to the anchor bar and have some chicken wings where they invented them. There you go. That's something. Yeah, yeah. you go there, like I'm gonna go right to and see so you gotta do hot. You can't do medium. If you're doing medium, you're not even doing buffalo wings. I mean, it's I, I like spice, but like the back of my head sweats first. And I, I don't always like to get to that point. My son likes spice too, but then when his nose beads up with sweat, we're like, we might've pushed this one a little too far. So I'm kind of a medium guy. I like a little <laughs> kick. I don't want to sweat. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Tom, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming on sports bites and uh, we'll get the word out there for people. Tell people how they can view your stuff. Hooked on helmets is my handle on TikTok. Um, Look it up, football helmets. If you like football helmets, even if you don't, I think you're going to dig some of the history in there. But just follow Hooked on Helmets on TikTok and trying to crank out new content just about every day. So I appreciate you finding it, and I appreciate you having me on. This, this is awesome. I could talk with you every day like this. So this you, is, uh, you're a great therapy for me. I rarely take a break when I'm creating content or working on right. my game chart. So this has been an awesome break for me. Good. I appreciate yeah, I, I used to remember doing that for high school games and making sure that, I, cause I wanted to have all the right information and, yes. and get the right names out. And yeah. But, uh, but yeah. The spotter boards, all that, a lot of fun, but appreciate it, man. Have a great rest of your season, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode. I want to say thank you to Tom Helmet for coming on and talking about Hooked on Helmets and all the other topics we covered. Man, I could have sat there and talked to him for hours about what's going on. But I want to thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. I hope you savor the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.